This is Hello Boss Girl with Carrie Ramsey on 91X. Each week, explore big ideas from Boss Girl startups in the Quinty region through conversations with female founders. Hello Boss Girl. Do you ever struggle with having a healthy money mindset? The truth is, much of our approach towards saving and spending depends on the way we think about money, how we were raised around money, and the relationship we've developed with money over the years. My guest in the studio today is Victoria Rice, co-author of CEO of Everything. A former stockbroker, Victoria has also worked as an international corporate trainer, specializing in innovation and change. She has a master's degree and a passport filled with stamps from different countries, a girl after my own heart. Today, Victoria is joining us to help create better habits when it comes to thinking about money. After all, the way we think shapes our actions and our actions shape our habits, and well, our habits shape our lives. So let's get to the bottom of this topic that affects each and every one of us, no matter what stage of business we are at. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Thank you, Carrie. So tell us a little bit about yourself, because you've had such an interesting career. How did you come to be an expert in the subject of developing a healthy money mindset? As a child, I actually wanted to grow up and become a cashier at Steinberg. (laughs) So it comes from that. That was the only store that was close to where we lived. I grew up in a newly developed subdivision here in Canada, and we were immigrants to the country. So I was still learning a lot when I came here. That seemed to me like a very interesting job. And lo and behold, I did end up working around the world in different places where people were very focused on money. So in part, it came true. And so I had, by the way, the Fisher Price cash register. As you were saying that, awesome. I re- I, oh, how many hours did I spend with the plastic coins putting into that? Um, I don't know if that means I have a healthy money mindset, but I certainly started, and we do start thinking about that even as children. So tell us about your career path and how it has led you to today. I was fortunate because my parents instilled in me the need to go to university and get an education. And that gave me the foundation for at least looking out at the world and seeing what was available out there. And so that's something that I would say to anybody, you know, try as many things as you can, because the more people you interact with, the more, in fact, you'll see different ways in which people are working and operating and going, go to different countries and see what they're doing there too. And so in some ways, what happens is you develop your own value system. And one of the things that struck me as such a great little picture was the fact that on our outside, if we think of our outsides as our words and our actions, they have to be driven by something. And those are driven by our beliefs. And our beliefs come from what we value. That's the core. And one of the ways about thinking about a money mindset is to think, well, really, if I keep going back through a bunch of my actions, what is the system I'm using? Have I got a system where I'm putting myself in debt? Or have I got a system where I'm saving? Or have I got a system where I'm thinking about my future? Because it's that inner core that drives the outside of what we say and do. That is so true. So really, it starts with the values. So what is a question someone could ask themselves? I mean, is it as simple as what are my values and then start thinking about it from that point on? You can be a little bit of an archaeologist. You can go back and look at, say, your statement from a credit card or from your debit and just look at it and think like, 
uh, an adventurer. Okay, what am I going to discover when I look at all of these? Oh, I've spent this much money here and this much money here. So my actions are actually living out my values. So how can I figure out what my values are by what I'm doing now? And is that the right way to be thinking about it? Or do I want to make some alterations? Because, oh, Carrie, I'm just so fascinated by some of the work Jordan Peterson has been doing, because he is the one who said that Really, what we want to do is if we want to make a change, we think about what is one thing, just one thing I can do that will make my life better. And in many ways, that is so brilliant because it's within many of our uh, capabilities to do that one thing. And it might be read a book about money. It might be say, let's figure out where my money's going because if I don't know where it's going, then I can't actually plan for the future because I don't even know where I am now. And that lovely way of thinking about what is it that I want to do with my life. And we, as human creatures, we can think about the future and we can actually bargain with the future in some ways because we think, okay, well, I want to be here at this time or I want to have this or I want to do this. And we start acting in accordance with that. So that's where it's back to your, once you get your values going and you believe in something, you start acting. That's so true. And I like that idea of reverse engineering, even of thinking, in five years, where do I want to be? And then and work back. Okay, well, then what do I need to do this year? You know, what's step one through to step five to make sure I'm on a path that's going to get me where I want to go rather than just leaving it up to sort of, you know, default mode. That's you're, no way to live. <laughs> you're absolutely right. And one of the things that fascinates me too, is that it's an example of compounding. So if you say, I want to be here in five years, well, that's 365 days times five years. If I'm doing one thing a day that's moving me towards it, now it's 365 times five. Now I'm in the thousands of right. things, the steps I've taken to move me to where I How am. How can you not succeed, right, when you break it down that way? Brilliant. Well, speaking of brilliant, you have co-authored a brilliant book called CEO of Everything with TV's Gail Vaz Oxlade, who is best known for hosting shows like Till Debt Do Us Part and Princess, which a lot of people have probably heard about. So tell us how you and Gail came to write CEO of Everything. Gail and I have been friends for a very long time. We were doing television shows at one point together. And for some reason, we just clicked. It was that lovely moment. I'm sure you've had this where you meet a friend and you click. And so we've been having these types of conversations for over 25 years. And one thing that I was doing was Gail had asked me if I'd write on her website, if I'd blog on it, about what it was like to be a person in my circumstance. And I was widowed when I was 50 years old. And so she said, well, okay, what are you going to write about? And I was writing a number of pieces for her. And one day I wrote a piece called CEO of Everything because I was the first person in my group who lost her partner. And so when other people started to lose their partners, they'd ask me a question. And the first thing I would say to them was, okay, you are now CEO of everything. You know, when the Persian cat throws up on your Persian rug, here's what happens. You clean it up. And when it snows, you do the snow. And if you want a meal, you got to cook it. And you are CEO of everything now. You're running the operation. And a big part of that book as well is about finances, of course. So tell us a little bit about that and, you know, how that leads into the money mindset we're talking about today as well. When people feel they've got a grip on their finances, all sorts of confidence comes out of that all sorts of it. Because people then say, okay, I know where money is going. I know where it needs to go. I've got an idea of what I'm looking to have. I'm thinking about my future. And you are, in this case, when you think about it, you're the one deciding where the money goes. So 
are you a good keeper of your future? Because that's one of the things, Gail and I used to talk about this when we would be out talking about the book, is I would say, when you're borrowing, when you're in debt, you are borrowing from your future. And Gail would say, no, no, no. She says, you're stealing from your future. (laughs) You have to love your future self as much as you love your today self. Um, That's really, that's an aha moment when it's not just, you know, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, stealing from your future self. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's, that's some kind of revolution there. Epiphany. (laughs) Absolutely. So you collaborated on this book with Gail then. What was the toughest part of that process? Was, was it an easy process and how long did it take? It was an easy process because both of us were writers. Uh, We'd both done books before, so we knew what it was. I actually had this huge, right in front of my computer, I had this huge board, and on it I had a picture of Gail and a picture of me and a title of the book, and we had laid out all the chapters. She and I had brainstormed all the chapters we wanted to cover, and so I just looked at it, and I broke it down back to the do one thing a day. Yes. Honestly, Carrie, I broke it down to I need to write this many words every single day, and we would just go back and forth. Gail would write, send it to me. I would write, send it to her, and so... So one of the real joys of the book is that people gave us feedback that it sounded like one voice Mm. when it came out, and we were melding. And sometimes we didn't agree. We had differences of opinion on things. But what we did do is we melded our voices so that people would have a sense that, okay, if you find yourself suddenly single, and most of us know someone through either divorce or death or disaster uh, this has happened to, that they've got at least a template Um, And that was a lovely thing. People have given feedback. Oh, good. I'm not the only person. I'm not alone. And I have heard that there's not a lot of books out there that that deal with this subject, particularly in Canada, because, of course, things can be a little bit different here. So I think that's why there's also so much appreciation for it, that the questions are being asked and you've answered them in such a beautiful way. So what you really emphasize in the book is taking control of your own finances, as you've mentioned. What are some of the good habits that you've found your readers avoid when it comes to money? Sometimes people will avoid looking at the actual residue, you know, (laughs) what is left from where they've spent their money and go, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Uh, So in one way, you need to look at it because you need to know where you've come from. If you want to change a habit, you have to know your current habit. And in some ways, it helps you at least address what your current habits are. I remember a friend years ago, and they had moved to another country and only he could work, she couldn't. And she said to me, one of the things that I had to realize is I had only so much money per day. I could either buy a newspaper and read it, which she loved to do, or I could have a coffee. Whereas now you might say people, well, they buy what they want and the coffee and the muffin. And it's the reason why both Gail and I have been very concerned about this for a while, which is the fact that people continue to get more and more in debt. And there was just another piece on the CBC talking about the fact that people, in fact, now have, on average, $72,000 of debt. And that's up five years ago from 52000 Wow. That's a reality check. It is a reality mm. check. And one of the things, if you do love your future self, you start to say, oh, okay, well, maybe some of my habits got me here. Some is life circumstance, for sure. Um, and another friend of mine who runs a 
bankruptcy insolvency firm, their business is up 19% this wow. year. So these are some serious reality checks for people to take a look mm. at. And would you say then it's true that people often know what to do, but they're just avoiding doing it? Exactly. <laughs> they know the how. Yes, I know I have to save a certain amount of money. But they haven't gone back to what we talked about, mm. the beginning, the why. Why do I need to save money? I, I was, in fact, the other day just looking, cleaning some documents up, and I found a 25 years ago statement of my RRSP, and it was $51,000. Now, anyone today would think, wow, 51000 that is not going to keep you in retirement. And granted, other circumstances happened. My husband died. His got put into mine. And at the same time, you have to have that faith in the future to say, okay, it's only 5000 now or twenty five or 51 but eventually, if you continue working with it, with the habits that you develop, which is putting aside some money for yourself to value that future you as much as today you. That's so true. What about questions people can ask themselves about uncovering their own biases about money? Do you have any suggestions of things they can ask even right now while they're listening? One of the things that I know about myself is I can be lazy. And so what, I heard this lovely expression, just, I love this. Someone was talking about having self-driving money. I, I thought that was fabulous. Okay, what do we get with self-driving money? And one of the questions I used to ask people when I was really working with people who were trying to do something is I would just ask them the question of, do you waste $25 a month? And everybody put their hand up or they'd say, oh, I waste multiples of $25 yeah. a month. And I said, well, gee, there's this wonderful program you can get in with a mutual fund. You start it with $25 and your commitment is to put 25 in a, a month every time. And so for people who looked at that and they said, well, I'm wasting the money anyway, I said, yeah, so put it in here and give it a try. You'll learn something about the market. You'll learn something about savings. You'll develop a habit. And in a year from now, you'll have on or about $300 saved. And you can then decide, oh, oh, I could use that for something. Or I like this habit and I see what it's doing for me. So it's the getting started part because mm -hmm. if you get a system in place, then that system is going to help carry you through when you think, I'm not feeling like it today. It's kind of like going to the gym. You know, yeah. you have to put out your sneakers and your bag and yeah. be and ready for it and get it. organized. And like you say, really, it's investing in your future self rather than stealing from your future self. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, as we mentioned, Victoria, you wrote the book when it comes to becoming the CEO of everything in your life. So we're going to play a little tune for you and all our listeners out there right now. With Open Book, this is Cake on 91X. <laughs>
91X, and I'm joined in the Hello Boss Girl studio today by Victoria Rice, co-author of CEO of Everything. Victoria, you spoke recently at our Hello Boss Girl Fall Book Club launch, and you did an excellent job, I might add. You Thank talked you. about the three circles that affect us closely when we're pursuing success in life. Could you explain what those three circles are for us? So this is back to looking at people, process, and purpose. And this was a little, um, like a diagram or a model. And everybody can just draw a triangle right now and put three Ps around it. There's people, process, and purpose. And whatever you're trying to do, say you are going to organize a party. Which are the people? Which people are you going to ask to do something? Which process are you going to through, go through? So, for example, I might need to order invitations. I might need to get food, some entertainment, etc. And then purpose. What is the purpose of having that party. And so when you have those three organized, what helps you is it gives you a structure on which you can hang this model. You can hang all the other things that you need to do. And then it helps you sort because we have these marvelous brains, but the issue is there's so much in there. So how do you give yourself some positive parameters to work within? And that's often what happens with money. You know, you might be saying, okay, I would like to have a retirement fund. So 
Which people do I need to get involved with that? What's the purpose of this retirement fund? And what is the process I'm going to need to go through? Do I need self-driving money? Do I need to talk to an advisor? Do I need to set something up where I'm working? And those are all the elements that you can bring into it. It's a lovely little model. You can do it for all sorts of things you want to plan. And really, if one of them is missing, it kind of falls apart, doesn't it? You really do need them all. It does, because if you don't know why you're doing something, you can be great at it and have the right people, but you're, you don't know why you're doing it. So it's back to your previous question about people know what to do, they just don't know why. Right. And when it comes to the processes, what are some processes that you've put in place then to help with this, what we're talking about today? Is it just the discipline of the monthly saving or are there any other processes? Because I think people probably struggle with that part the most. It would look absolutely hilarious to anyone who saw what I do. <laughs> but what I do is I just take a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper in a binder and I put the month at the top, November 2019. And I put down the categories in which I spend money. And then every time I spend money, I just add it to the category. At the end of the month, I add it all up. How much time have I put into it? Maybe half an hour in total. But I can tell you how much I spent every single month and on what portion. And do I want to have that continued? And we know tracking works. We do. We know it. It just, like you say, it's it's getting the habit of it. And whatever it takes you to do it, whether it's an app or a good old fashioned paper and pen, which I probably would do as well. That's brilliant. That's a great, that's a great tip. So what are some of the excuses that you hear though, when people want to avoid this whole conversation about money? I'm not saying it's only women, but it tends to be a lot of women I talk to. I'm sure you've heard it all. Are there any excuses that come up? It's hard. <laughs> oh, it's really hard. In that same voice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a bit of a whiny voice, yeah. <laughs> and what I'm fascinated about with that is, okay, because you know what? If it was easy, everyone, everyone would, would do, do it. it. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> and so it's hard, but it is, is it impossible? No. It's not mm. impossible. So what happens is it's hard. Well, is getting an education hard? Is living your life hard? Is being in a place where you don't have enough money? Well, there's something that I think is really hard. So I try and get them to look at what's harder. Right. And then they can see, okay, it may be hard. And when it's really hard is at the beginning. Like the first month, if you're saving on something like a mutual fund of $25 a month, the first month you go, hey, where's that $25? Um, but the second month, oh, yeah, there's the $25. Right. And I've heard also the excuse, you know, I can't afford it right now. And the one I always come back with is, I don't think you can afford not to right now. You know, because again, as you say, if you don't do one thing every day, eventually there goes the $25 a month or whatever it might be. That's mm -hmm. right. And I was just watching a very interesting uh, piece on billionaires. And what they were saying, there was two things that came up, which was very interesting. So on Netflix, there's a program on billionaires under their explained group of uh, programs. And in 18 minutes, you're going to learn a lot about how people got to that place. The other one that was interesting was a, a personal coach who was talking about billionaires. And the one thing they do that other people don't do is they visualize. They sit down, plan where they'd like to go. Even if it's just 30 seconds, they visualize what it will look like, feel like, seem like, and they start working towards there. So they're, in that way, they are instilling a value and a purpose, you know, back to our purpose, process, and people. And it's like, okay, well, that, what is it I'm looking to do? And they get a picture in their mind of it. Um, I know one of the things that was years ago struck me uh, as something that was 
I was so glad to see someone had researched it. The average millionaire, okay, 38% of all millionaires, they buy used cars. Hmm. So if the average Canadian buys a new car every four and a half years, <laughs> I'm driving an old car right now, I technically should be on my fourth car. Instead, I'm still with my first car. So some of it is about saying, ah, oh, okay, what do I value? See, I value travel. I love traveling. I A car is A to B for me. Mm-hmm. But if you really love a car, you're willing to give something else up for it. For me, I'm instead looking at marginal utility. Which one is better for me? Yeah. And can I have both? And what's more important to you? Like you say, going off on, on the jet plane and having a great time away or really getting you from point A to point B. What's what's more important? And, and it it's your choice. Yeah, it's different for every person. Yeah, it's that lovely line too that comes out is at some point we all sit down to a banquet of consequences uh. <laughs> for our behavior. And yeah. so that's why I try to think and try and say to people, you know what, if you get the right behavior set in place, especially in your early years, wow, you are setting yourself in a beautiful mm. system and a process for being what successful. What a difference. Yes. So is there any song that helps lift you up, maybe when you're feeling you're getting off track at all? Yes, there is, actually. <laughs> I I love the song by Johnny Nash, I Can See Clearly Now. Oh, that's one of my favorites. I love that song. Let's listen to it now with I Can See Clearly Now. This is Johnny Nash on 91X. I can see clearly now the rain is gone Go 
That was Johnny Nash with I Can See Clearly Now on 91X. And my guest in the Hello Boss Girl studio today has been Victoria Rice, co-author of the book CEO of Everything. So, Victoria, as we're wrapping up today, are there any resources that you'd recommend to our audience to follow up on, perhaps to further pursue this conversation we've begun today? This is one of the wonders of the internet. You can go on and put very specific money topics in, and people will show you how to start a system with it, or people will give you some ideas. There are so many books about money. One of the things at the library, if you go, I love the library, is if you go there, you'll find these money books are there, and they are not well used. And so you'll just set yourself apart from the crowd if you just make some effort in that sense. When I started as a stockbroker, I couldn't have told you the difference between a stock and a bond. And I just slowly put in the time. It's Malcolm Gladwell's idea of 10,000 hours. And so is your financial future worth some amount of your time? And that's where I would start. Um, There was a wonderful book that changed my life called Your Money or Your Life. And it would be one where you get a good sense of the, the vastness of um, the possibility of what you can do with with money and also how to get started. And it's things like the magic of compounding. Start early enough so that your money has a chance to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be something that I, I would But it's never suggest. too late to start either. Yeah, Never too late. For Gail sure. wrote a book called Never Too Late. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think another great resource is your own book, CEO of Everything. So as we close out today, tell people where they can find that book. The book is at Amazon, Chapters, all the bookstores have them. You can order it online. And I hope people enjoy it and get a sense that, yes, you're doing many things right. And the CEO of everything has to make tough decisions, but you are up to it. And you can do it. You're doing a great job. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us here today at Hello Boss Girl Victoria. You're welcome, Gary. It's been an honor and a privilege to speak with you today. And as a token of our thanks, we do have a gift bag for you from Hello Boss Girl and the Small Business Center at Loyalist College. I'd also like to thank our producer, Kathleen Rankin, whose positive outlook and artful touches make this show such a success. And thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us once again to hear about another topic affecting female entrepreneurs in the Bay of Quinte area. We hope you'll tune in next time, right here on 91X. For more big ideas from Boss Girl Startups, follow Hello Boss Girl on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And hear more conversations with female founders and boss girls from the Quinty region each week at this time on Alternative Radio 91X.